Welcome back to Pace Immigration, paceimmigration.com, joined by Andy Semachuk. Andy, good to see you. I wish it was under different circumstances. Yeah, yeah, things are going a little crazy. Right, we're talking about the Ukrainian, or uh, the conflict in the Ukraine. Uh, today, Russian forces advancing into uh, the country, as well as bombs being dropped on people. Just terrible news out of Ukraine, and unfortunately, very prescient, uh, Vince Lalonde, the director of immigration at Pace Immigration, put on his LinkedIn feed, I don't know if you saw this yet, that he said, unfortunately and sadly, Andy Semichuk's prediction is coming true that there's likely going to be a massive refugee problem coming out of Ukraine. Yeah, it looks that way. There are cars lined up uh, all going westward from all over Ukraine, unfortunately. It seems like the beginning of a refugee crisis coming. Right. That was in your Forbes article from just a few weeks ago that you said the world better pay attention because a, a refugee crisis could easily develop out of this conflict and it looks like that may indeed happen. So with that in mind, there could be people out there who are in some dire straits that are wondering about their future. Uh, we're of course here to help people in that regard. Uh, so I thought it'd be a good idea to bring you on and ask, what is a refugee? How could a person achieve refugee status? How long does such a status last? Those kind of questions. So let's start with the basics. Those people that might be in a vehicle heading west, heading somewhere, uh, does that automatically make them a refugee? What is a refugee? Ah, okay. The answer is not automatically, but if we deal with the definition of refugee, it'll help clarify things. A refugee is someone who is, A, outside their country of nationality, meaning, in this case, outside of Ukraine, and B, has a well-founded fear of persecution, and C, that that fear is based on one of the grounds that allow refugee status, such as race, religion, political opinion, and other such grounds. In this case, uh, you might uh, consider the grounds of political opinion and uh, possibly religion as grounds that could come up in terms of a refugee claim. So that's the basic definition. Right. That, you know, I think a lot of people would be surprised to find out that war technically isn't a part of that refugee equation, is it? No, it's not. Uh, being, fleeing from war alone does not make you a refugee, although the, the term refugee is used loosely to cover people even fleeing from war. But you have to show this well-founded fear based on one of those criteria, like I mentioned, uh, political opinion or religion. So if you were never active in politics or never took any part in any religion, it's going to be hard for you to establish, even in a war setting, that you are a refugee. One thing that I find interesting right now, um, maybe we can discuss this for a moment. If you'll recall, years ago, we talked about when this crisis first developed with uh, Russian forces or at least Russian-backed people, uh, the, the so-called little green men that were appearing uh, on the eastern frontier in Ukraine. Ukrainians couldn't be dubbed refugees because it was said that, well, you've got a functioning police force and a functioning government in the rest of Ukraine. I believe I'm correct on that. Yes, you are. Now, fast forward to today where, you know, Vladimir, I don't want to get too much into that. I'm a, a, an international relations expert or a military expert. But from what we're seeing on the news, even Kiev uh, being uh, hit by ordnance, you, you could make a case that the, if the entire country is being plunged into war, those people have nowhere to go now inside their own country, do they? That's right. And uh, I've received uh, uh, maps that have been sent out of Ukraine 
establishing where there have been hits of missiles and explosions and so on. And it's in all the major cities across the whole country, including Western Ukraine, Lviv, Ternopil, uh, Chernivtsi, etc. So um, I'm, I'm afraid in this case, the issue of can you escape to some safe part of the country is not going to work. It's going to be a refugee uh, from Ukraine. Merely being from Ukraine could establish that part of the refugee definition. Right. Let's uh, get into how could a person achieve refugee status. Again, we're with that person in the car. They're heading out of the country. You've said that it has to be a person outside. You can't claim refugee status inside Ukraine. It has to be outside of it. So what does that person in the car do? They get outside of Ukraine to Poland or something. What do they do? Okay. So if they want to be a refugee in Poland, then they would make a refugee claim go to the relevant immigration office uh, in Poland. I'm not an expert on Poland, of course, but they would just make the claim there. And they can become, if they are recognized under the definition through a hearing, a refugee in Poland. The same would be true if they were, for example, in Germany or uh, other countries in Europe. As far as Canada and the U.S. is concerned, which is our concern because we're in Canada and the U.S., they would have to be here to make a refugee claim. In most instances, that will be impossible uh, because they would need a visa to come to Canada or the United States. But if they happen to have a visa and they do come, then it's conceivable you could make a refugee claim here. So someone claims refugee status, how long does it last? Are we talking, does refugee lead to things like permanent residency and green cards, or is it a case of when the conflict is over? I don't know how someone deems the conflict is over enough, uh, but when the conflict is over that they have to go home or what? No, the refugee status will last uh, so long as the regime that you're afraid of is in power. So if a miracle happened and everything was settled and the Russians left Ukraine, then your refugee claim would be on shaky grounds and would be refused. But usually uh, when you're making a refugee claim because you're being persecuted, if you at the time of your interview uh, have a well-founded fear of persecution, then you would be granted refugee status. And that status leads to permanent residence in Canada or a green card in the United States. Once you have a green card, if the political system changes, that doesn't matter. You're a resident of Canada or the United States. Okay. And people that are in such a situation can contact you for assistance. One thing I did want to touch on is people that might already be in the country say, you know, Ukrainians have been traveling. They're, they're people, you know, they travel around the world. They, they might be in Canada, or the United States or elsewhere, but we concentrate on Canada or the U.S. because that's what uh, PACE Immigration does. Um, if a Ukrainian is in Canada or the U.S. right now and say their visa is supposed to expire in a couple of weeks, can they extend their stay so they don't have to travel back to the Ukraine? It seems absurd uh, that either government of Canada or the United States wouldn't say, no, you've got to go back there right now. Yeah, so a couple of points on that. Yes, they can because of the conflict overseas. It's uh, it's pretty reasonable to make such a request, and I think it would be granted both in Canada and the United States. I'll make a couple of extra comments in this area. One thing is there may be Ukrainians by nationality here, 
uh, or by ethnic uh, nationality, meaning ethnic uh, heritage, who are here, but who are Russian nationals, they could also conceivably make uh, an application to extend their stay in Canada. Meaning, if you came in on a Russian passport, but you're of Ukrainian descent, it's also possible to extend your stay. And indeed, such individuals, and even Ukrainians in Canada who are here or in the United States, conceivably could make a refugee claim based on a, a well-founded fear of persecution in the case of a Ukrainian from Ukraine, on the basis that being here, if they are returned, they're afraid that through political involvement in the past or perhaps religious uh, conflicts in the past that they have experienced, they have a well-founded fear of dealing with Putin and Russians in Ukraine. And in the case of a Ukrainian from Russia, they could make a claim here on the basis that uh, Russia, uh, Russia does not acknowledge Ukrainian ethnic uh, minorities in the country. There are no Ukrainian schools, no Ukrainian churches, etc. And therefore, uh, given the escalation of the conflict in Ukraine, they too could be eligible for a refugee claim. But it's early in the refugee uh, process. Uh, things have to get escalated much more before normally people would make refugee claims here or even in Europe. Right. And you mentioned Russians. I mean, there could be uh, Russians in Russia uh, with maybe they're pro-Ukraine and maybe they've been outspoken against uh, the Putin regime or something. Perhaps they too, for political affiliation uh, reasons, could be afraid for their life. If they flee, they could possibly apply for refugee status as well? Yeah. Uh, the guy, Navalny, comes to mind. He's a kind of a democratic leader in this, in Russia. But unfortunately, he sides with Putin on the issue of uh, Crimea and the uh, past invasions in Ukraine. So if he was a true democrat and did not side with Putin and was in Canada, he would be, such a person would be eligible for a refugee claim here in Canada or in the United States. Who makes who makes these decisions? I mean, who would the refugee, the person goes to, um, like you were saying, goes to claim refugee status? I mean, is it ultimately like just a, a border official or how how high um, up the chain does this go? Uh, you make the claim either when you arrive or you go to an immigration office. They give you a form to fill out, which you fill out in which you justify that you have a well-founded fear of persecution based on the grounds accepted. You submit that, and that form ultimately goes before an adjudicator who uh, has a hearing. In some cases, it may be without a hearing, I suppose. But in most cases, it would be a hearing where you present your evidence of your well-founded fear. And the uh, representative of the government uh, argues against if they feel that there's no grounds there, they'll argue against it. And it's like in a court a judge, this adjudicator, makes a decision, yes or no. And if you're granted, uh, you know, if you convince the person that you are a legitimate refugee, then you're accorded refugee status, which eventually leads to permanent residence. It's a lot to take in. I mean, people are worried about, you know, where their houses are going to be tomorrow, let alone, you know, where they might be or claiming refugee status and stuff. So if people need help, of course, they can contact you 
asymmetricapacelawfirm.com. I know, Andy, you were also going to provide some updates on your LinkedIn feed, advising people when they might be able to come by the office and visit with you if they are indeed uh, in Toronto, Canada, where you are right now. Yes, we are planning to hold uh, weekly meetings for people who have immigration uh, questions that they may pose coming to our office, probably on a, like a Friday afternoon late. Uh, and uh, we'll post the details related to such meetings on the LinkedIn. Okay. Thanks, Andy, uh, for joining me. I'm sure we'll catch up again next week uh, with an update to provide for people. In the meantime, stay safe. And you can contact Andy Samachuk once again at asemachuk at pacelawfirm.com. Andy, we'll talk to you soon. Thank you. Bye for now.